Hey, Retreat House listeners, I wanted to talk to you before we go into this episode. Today is the second part of two parts talking about mental health issues. And last week we were talking to Amanda and Joe about what you can expect when you go to therapy. And today I have two of my friends, Annika and Dre, telling their stories of living with mental illness and what that looks like and some things that have come of that. And they were so brave in sharing their stories. One of them is sharing their story of a suicide attempt. And I wanted to give you a heads up about it because I know that I have some adolescents. I know I have some minors that listen to the podcast. And if that is you, I would love for you to listen to this podcast with a trusted adult and have a conversation about any questions that you might have that any questions that might come up. I've edited this episode a little bit more. When we sat down and shared, you know, we, I didn't really give any parameters. And so it was just sitting down and telling the story. And it was the first time she had shared it and is so brave to do that. And it is such a privilege to me that she trusted me with that. And so I want to steward that really, really well. So if you have young ears around, or if you have young ears, I just want you to consider if this is an episode for you or listen to it with a trusted adult and ask a trusted adult if there's, there are questions that you have. I'm going to have resources listed in the show notes. And also you could go back and listen to last week's episode with Amanda and Joe talking about therapy and what you can expect from it. And yeah, it was a really beautiful conversation that I had with them. So just wanted to give that caution before we go into this episode. And again, up front to thank Dre and Annika for so bravely sharing their stories. It's it's an honor and a privilege to be able to share their stories with you. Welcome to the Retreat House Podcast, where we gather at the table to hear each other's stories. I'm your host, Angie Smith, and I am so glad that you're here. Please pull up a chair and join us. Welcome to the table. We are out of the retreat house and on location today at, we're actually at Church of the Open Door, and I am sitting with two new friends of mine, and today we're going to be talking about what should I know about mental illness or what should I know about living with mental health issues? What does that look like? So today at the table with me, I have my friends Annika Johnson and Dre Bartle, and they're going to be sharing their stories of dealing with with mental illness, dealing with mental health issues and what that looks like, their stories, and then what that looks like day to day. I met them through my mutual friend, our mutual friend, Callie, who you've heard a few weeks ago on the podcast. So welcome to the show, Annika and Dre. Thank you. Thanks for having us. So I'm not sure who wants to go first or where we should start. Okay, Dre is pointing at Annika. So we'll go <laughs> with Annika. <laughs> I'm older. I get to Boston. Oh, sure. <laughs> so Annika, when I say, you know, what should I know? You know, what are some things that you wish people would know? And then also, why don't you tell us a little bit about your story, too? Sure, sure. Um, what should people know about uh, living with mental health? 
So I don't know about every mental health issue that people suffer from um, or are dealing with, but what I do know a lot about is anxiety. Mm -hmm. I have um, suffered and struggled with anxiety for many years, actually decades, and I think I probably always had a propensity for it growing up. Um, the first time it exhibited exhibited itself um, in the form of an anxiety attack mm-hmm. was um, I was probably about 10 years old. Um, and I believe anxiety, uh, like I said, kind of always had a propensity for it, mm-hmm. but it really uh, became evident and um, I really was suffering from it when my parents divorced. Mm. And did somebody name it and say this is what this is or were you just kind of dealing with anxiety? I mean, that's a lot for a 10-year-old right? to deal with. Yeah, I mean, I didn't really, you know, I didn't really know what it was at first. These mm-hmm. anxiety attacks, like my heart would just start racing. I would be sweating. Yeah. Um, and it wasn't necessarily excessive worry. Um, I think a lot of times we confuse anxiety with worry. And mm-hmm. I think it, 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 I can be worried when I'm anxious, but it's like this inability to control my thoughts. Mm. And um, this very... Uh, unsettled uh, spirit like I'm just not sure what's going to happen Mm. and things feel chaotic and overwhelming and I couldn't get myself like back online Mm -hmm. Um, I couldn't I wasn't feeling stable and okay was feeling unsafe Um, not physically it's not like anyone was trying to harm me Um, but it it goes back to that fight or flight you know Mm -hmm, those mm -hmm. innate uh, things that we have that we're um, built with as humans So I think I always had a propensity for it. It started to get really bad when my parents divorced. Um, I kept quiet about it for a while, but it was such a physical reaction that I couldn't really hide it from (laughs) either of my parents. They did want to give me medication and have me go to see a counselor, but for whatever reason, I did not want to Mm. um, at that that time. At that young age. Yeah, I did not want to. I wasn't sure about counseling, and I never really loved taking medications. I was a pretty healthy kid otherwise, and I just mm-hmm. had all this fear. Mm-hmm. I mean, it probably honestly was the anxiety, too, that was keeping me from mm-hmm. actually getting treated um, in a way that would have, I think, eventually or could have helped me through that really hard time. So I just suffered with it mm-hmm. for a lot of years, a lot of years, and eventually did find my way out of it in my teen years as far as the physical symptoms, although mm-hmm. I feel like psychologically, I just continue to suffer all the way up until I had my kids. The first time I was medicated or I chose to take medication, actually was after my kids, now that I think about it, um, it was when I have had a lot of health issues mm-hmm. kind of all through my life. And um, I, was, I encountered a really terrible health situation. I had two young kids. Mm-hmm. My husband was in school and working full time. And I got vertigo and was literally sick in bed. I couldn't take care of myself, couldn't take care of my family. And um, I found myself one afternoon sitting on my bed and rocking. Mm. I'm like literally in the fetal position, rocking on my bed, Mm -hmm. um, unable to control Mm -hmm. any of my thoughts, feeling like I was just going to die. And... It's really surreal to even talk about. It's hard to put to words what my body and my brain was doing mm-hmm. and how I really had was not capable of pulling myself back into reality mm-hmm. and 
And just functioning, like taking care of your kids. Like or literally just out. being able to take a shower and mm-hmm. maybe make a meal. I was incapable of it. and But aware that I was incapable, mm-hmm. but not being able to get myself back to like baseline. Right. It's an absolute. And had you before then, I mean, when things would come up, had you always kind of been able to kind of will yourself back to your baseline as yeah, you call it? Yeah, until, until that time I had. You know, I might have an anxiety attack here mm-hmm. or there, um, have a bad night, um, not be able to catch my breath, but I was able to always find my way through, you know, mm-hmm. until then. I don't know whether it was the health stuff or just kind of this perfect storm mm-hmm. of life that I was stuck. I probably should have been admitted to the hospital, mm-hmm. but I did have, and you'll learn this about me, I have just really incredible people in my life mm-hmm. that are so supportive. Mm-hmm. And so my dad helped me um, get to a doctor and helped me get medication. And that is when um, I really kind of started facing, I have anxiety. Mm-hmm. I-, I need medicine to help my brain function. Mm-hmm. I need help and it's okay. Right, Was that and was that hard? I mean, for all that time, not wanting to take medication and I mean, and by all intents and purposes, it sounded like you didn't. Things may have been easier, but you mm-hmm. were able to still function. What What was it like to then get to that point where it almost sounded like you didn't have a choice? Like you needed to do something. Right. Was it then a difficult decision to start taking medication? Honestly, it was so freeing mm-hmm. because it was exactly what I needed. You know, I like I said, have all sorts of other health issues that I manage. And always my first preference is to manage it in other ways besides drugs. Mm -hmm. But to know that that is your only choice and to have medication available for you, I was beyond grateful Mm -hmm. and honestly just, yeah, grateful that there is help. There is a way for my brain to get back to a healthy place Mm -hmm. and then I'm going to find my way through. I'm going to find my way through. And the first step was, for me at that point, was medication. I think that's great because as much as people say there's, you know, people should do that and they should, but I still think there's a lot of times the stigma that we think of that's that's attached to that. So Mm -hmm. I would imagine that that would make it hard to take that step. Mm -hmm. But that's amazing that you felt so much freedom. Yeah. And taking it. I remember as my medication was starting to work, actually, I remember being out to coffee with my sister, um, who also does struggle with some mental health issues. And she had taken medication um, or had been on some medication for a couple years before. And so I was trying to, like, ask her, like, so I'm actually able to take, like, really deep breaths. Do you think the medication's actually working? Because I wasn't even, I would think I was so used to being sick. Mm. Um that I wasn't even sure what it was like to be healthy and whole. Mm -hmm. And I'm thankful for modern medicine for that, that it helped Mm -hmm. me find a way to be healthy and whole. And really when I am talking to people, and I'm pretty open about the fact that I take an antidepressant Mm -hmm. because I think it helps set people free. Mm -hmm. And I needed to be set free too. Mm -hmm. So... Well, and I've seen that. Well, I've seen you do that on... Facebook with mm-hmm. your, because you, oh, we didn't talk about what you guys do. 
Um, we should do that. So you work here at Open Door. Yep. With in women's ministry. I do. Yep. Women's and kids. I'm on staff here at Church of the Open Door in women's and kids. Yeah. Um, and so I've seen you do videos for women's ministry mm-hmm. for Open Door, and you're just so honest about who you are and your struggles. And what I love about that is that that space that that creates then for like you went first Hmm. like you said the hard things you shared in vulnerable ways first and created safe space for other women to share that way so I think that's super brave thank you I don't duty is maybe too (laughs) strong of a word but there are so many people that have done that for me Mm. and that is why I have been set Mm -hmm. free to find the healing that I need because there have been people before me that have said the brave, hard, real things Mm -hmm. about their life, whatever that is. And it does. It just creates a place. It cuts a trail for the people behind you that need that too. Right. Thank you. Yeah. Now we have Dre Bartle, who is owner of Covey Events. Yes. Which is how old? Not even a year old. And we just launched in August. That's right. Mm -hmm. Very exciting. So you do events for nonprofits and businesses um, any company business or sole entrepreneur trying to get their brand out there through events and they can be small events to big grand galas so we can do it all yes we can do it all (laughs) I always say from the invitation to the thank you note we have you covered (laughs) oh nice so it's a great Mm -hmm. catchphrase uh, and beautiful events. I've been to an event that you did, and it was beautiful. Thank you. It was one of your, it was in the early days, too. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> so you, this is the first, I want to acknowledge, this is the first time that you're sharing your story. Mm-hmm. And so talk about, so Annika was even creating safe space for yeah. you to do this. Sure, she does a lot for me. <laughs> <laughs> um, so I don't even know where you would want to begin mm-hmm. with sharing your story. Sure. Well, I mean, honestly, kind of similar to Annika, have struggled with pieces of mental health since I was pretty young. And I would say I really started to notice it in fourth, fifth grade. Mm-hmm. And that's when my parents were starting to have issues too. So it's so interesting mm-hmm. how your security is so attached to your family and mm-hmm. how home life is. And I think that's such a thing to pay attention to, mm-hmm. um, especially as a parent now. Um, But, yeah, I noticed that I'd have just bouts of sadness and insecurity. So it's probably a combination of anxiety and depression. Mm -hmm. Um, And it's I still actually have some of these writings that I would write in fifth, starting in fifth grade, about suicide. Mm. And I couldn't believe that I even knew what that word was. So I always wonder, like, how did I even know what that word was? Or when was that introduced to me? Was it... Because this is before social media. Yeah, no social media. Because I'm in my 40s. Like, that just Mm -hmm. did not exist. And um, mental health was not really talked about back then either. Mm -hmm. I mean, slowly. But it's I don't know. I have no idea how I ever even knew. Maybe it was a teen movie they showed in health (laughs) class or something. After school teen movie. Yeah, an after school (laughs) special. (laughs) I remember those. Yes. Yeah, because I have a son that's a fifth grader now, and I don't think he would... I mean, we have pretty open conversations, but I don't know that he would even know what that word is, but Mm -hmm. maybe it's time to talk about it. So anyway, I, yeah, so I was starting to have a lot of those thoughts Mm -hmm. and just questioning my existence and my identity and my belonging. I think that was really in jeopardy at that time. And Mm -hmm. the more and more my parents' marriage started to fall apart, that just continued to 
deteriorate deteriorate and snowball into this yeah just it affected so many things my choices how I was in relationships Mm -hmm. how my identity was so wrapped up in how guys saw me Mm. and my bless my parents we've had a beautiful redemption story now but they were going through so much at the time so they weren't really paying attention to me setting boundaries for myself And as a parent now, I realize you can only do so much, and it's really the child's choice. Like, they make those choices, right? So mm-hmm. I have a lot of – I could go on and on yeah. about that. <laughs> so I love me. I love you, my parents. Anyway, But so being a parent is hard. It's, it's really hard, and I think that they were doing the best they could for the situation they were in mm-hmm. and the limitations they had because of how they were raised. And right. so I can see that now. But mm-hmm. at the time, I was just screaming for – love and attention and I was not getting it in the right places for sure and so as that continued to develop I actually fortunately when I was 15 started going to FCA Fellowship of Christian Athletes and so I was starting to get glimmers of like who I was in Christ and Mm -hmm. understanding there was a God that loved me so that was starting to grow but at the same token there was some things within that Christian community that were shameful too, that I didn't know how I fit. I didn't know that I belonged necessarily because I came from a divorced family. Mm. And so I was in this really hard transition of becoming a Christian, but still not knowing, I didn't know where I belonged. It was Mm. so hard. And so um, I was in a serious relationship for about three years from 15 to 16 to 17. So it was my senior year. And then that started to fall apart, Mm -hmm. and that was super, super painful. And I had become very, very close with his family, and his mom was actually the one that bought me my first Bible, and she did Bible studies with me, which was probably a saving grace. But at the same token, because that relationship was ending, I, I just was so lost, and I got really afraid. And it was, I remember, it was after school. I got home and just felt like my life was over. Things were not going well with my mom. She had a boyfriend that we were living with, and there's just so many issues um, that were contributing to my anxiety and my depression, and Mm -hmm. I just felt like there was just nothing left for me. Like, I didn't have a good home. And were you doing any, I mean, was, were you doing anything to, to deal with your depression and anxiety, like counseling or? You know, we had gone through a little bit of counseling when my parents were going through their divorce, but once Mm -hmm. they were divorced, then that counseling stopped. And it was always family therapy, not individual. Okay. So no, I mean, I had, you know, I had this mom that was my mentor, the boyfriend's Mm -hmm. mom. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And so I felt like I'm going to lose her. Like Mm. she she wasn't going anywhere, but I felt like, oh, she's gone. Like she's not going to be in my life anymore. And I was, you know, I was in sports. I was in the musical. Mm-hmm. So to the social eye, I was doing very well. I had a lot of friends. So I was kind of hiding this mm-hmm. depression and anxiety. I wasn't really vocal about it because you didn't really talk about it. I don't know. Not really. Mm-hmm. No. I mean, as hard as it is for yeah. adults to talk about, yeah. I think it's a hundred times more difficult for yes. a high schooler yes. to talk just about. almost don't even have the words. developmental capacity or the language right. yes. mm-hmm. exactly. to describe. And it's such a hard time it in was, life. It was hard because I thought, oh, I'm a Christian now, so if I say so I'm should. struggling that yeah. with this, I'm supposed to be this daughter of Christ and mm-hmm. I should be confident and... Should, should, should. Right, mm-hmm. like all these things. So I thought, oh, I can't I can't say this out loud. I didn't, you're right. I didn't know how to name what I was feeling. Mm-hmm. And so anyway, I got home. I remember I got home from school that day, and I was so sad, and I just started writing some stuff out on a piece of paper, and all of a sudden it started turning into this goodbye letter. 
Mm. And I was like, oh my gosh, what's happening? It was just very strange. I'm going to break into this part of the episode. This is where Dre is sharing some more details about her suicide attempt. And after talking to a trusted advisor, I've decided to not include this in the episode. But there was one part that I, I didn't want you to miss that her sister is the one who found her. And when she was telling the story, she was very emotional at the thought of what that had done to her sister when her sister found her. Um, And I think that's an important part of her story that that needs to be shared. Now let's head back into the episode. So yeah, so crazy. And I just, I mean, I remember my parents not really knowing what to say. My dad felt very responsible. I could tell he felt really responsible. Thank you for sharing that because I know that you haven't I've never done that before. I mean, I heard it before when we were having dinner together that one time, but I have so many thoughts. Um, Like thoughts as a parent and thoughts of, there was a a student in our school district that Mm -hmm. committed suicide last week. And so then, you know, students trying to, high schoolers trying to deal with that. Yeah. So for both of you, because both of you have talked about the struggle since you were young, Mm -hmm. two things. What would you say to parents, and then what would you say to that that child or that teen or that young adult or adult who yeah. feels like they're dealing with mental illness themselves? I think parents just, I would say, really pay attention. I mean, you don't want to micromanage your kids or hover, but it's like you have to be noticing things, like asking questions, keeping the conversation going about how they're doing, what are things that are hard for you right now, how can I come alongside you, how can I, I just think there's things you can do to be more emotionally connected to your kids, just knowing what's going on and what's hard and giving them places to talk about it, saying things out loud even if they feel silly, like I'm devastated because my boyfriend broke up with me. Well, to an adult, that might seem really silly, but that was, like, the worst thing in the world. I felt like my life was over. Mm -hmm. So I think trying to step into their world and knowing, like, yeah, that might feel like the worst, biggest thing. Mm -hmm. Even though as a parent, you know, like, oh, you're going to have, like, five more boyfriends after this. Right. Um, But in high school, I mean, that's that's hard. Like, I've got a middle schooler, and my pep talk was, middle school is hard. And it's just going to be hard and awkward all three years. Just find someone to sit with at lunch. And if you feel out of sorts or you feel things that you don't even know what the words are, that's all normal Mm -hmm. and it's all okay. Yes. Yes. But, like, I just want him to know that it's hard. Yes. Like, I know that it's hard. Right. I also know there is life beyond middle school. Right. (laughs) But it's hard to see when you're in the midst of it. And that's the thing. I think for me now looking back, it's like I, because I remember after it happened and I came back to school, I had two things. One, lots of people were awesome. Cards, flowers, love, support, Mm -hmm. just a huge rallying. But then there were some people that were like, you know, the side Mm -hmm. chatter and, oh, she just did it for attention. And now looking back, I'm like, yeah, I probably did. Mm-hmm. I needed attention, and I didn't know how to do it in a healthy way. Like a cry I, for help. It was a cry for help. So, yeah, if you want to say it that way, fine. But I think that's the thing. It's like educating and and um, counseling these kids to find attention in healthy ways. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I think how can we equip them? Because I think that, for me, I didn't realize I really could have died. I mm-hmm. Like, you don't realize the gravity of that choice. I don't think I realized how much of a risk that was to, like, get attention. Like, mm. oh, my gosh, Dre, Bartle, you could have died. And so 
or just knowing that a ripple effect like it was so traumatic for my sister mm-hmm. like the people that you hurt mm-hmm. by mm-hmm. Doing, by making that choice and so I think how can we equip these young people if it's attention seeking or not or if it's to it's you're that depressed that there's just no way out like how can we give them different tools and healthier ways to get affirmation and to know who they are and to build in that and then for me of course it has it should go back to Christ because he's the only one that really gives you your identity or sense of purpose and belonging and and to know how deeply deeply you are loved Mm -hmm. but even in the Christian community that gets done wrong so I don't know what the I don't know maybe Annika you can chime in but you know, of course, I can only speak from my right. story. Which is I, a great point. Yeah. I, and I should have said this at the beginning, that these are two stories. Mm-hmm. And there are a lot of other stories. There are all different kinds of yes. mental health issues that look different. Mm-hmm. Even anxiety will yeah. look different in different people and depression. So, yeah, that's a great point. Yeah. So I think what what I would say to a parent of a child who has anxiety, depression, if they find, if they have a child similar to me, <laughs> what I would say to them, what has been most impact, impactful for me across all the decades with my parents mm-hmm. has been just their unwavering presence with me. They haven't done everything perfect. They're honest about that. They're not the reason I have anxiety and depression. Right. Neither is sin, Right. which I want to say Let's clearly. Let's talk oh, about yeah. that yeah. too. Yeah, yeah. Oh, for sure. They have had unwavering presence in my life, even through those years when I basically straight up refused counseling or mm-hmm. medical intervention, which I think, I think back and I think, I think I would have made my kid do that, mm. you know? They just always stood by me. And in my moments of crisis, I mean, at one point, I spoke of this earlier, I was 30 years old or almost 30 years old and found myself living in my dad's basement with my two kids and my husband. And rocking on a bed in the fetal position mm-hmm. <laughs> and in need of a lot of support. And I never for one moment felt shame mm. or judgment mm-hmm. or like I was doing something wrong or even that I deserved this because mm. those are all tapes that so easily right. have played in my head or could have been louder in my head during that time. Mm-hmm. And having my parents and friends and my husband and so many people around me that even though they didn't understand, they were willing to help me get what I needed. Mm-hmm. And that was medical intervention and that has been counseling all along the way, mm-hmm. helping me find tools, even exercising and eating and helping me find those things that work for my body mm-hmm. um, and help me find the health and wholeness that I need. So that's what I would say to parents. Just your presence means so much. and you can help your kids find the tools that they need. You don't have to fix it, mm-hmm. but you can be a companion along the way. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I would say, so since I did not have that, like I can say from the kids, like to speak to kids now that don't have that support mm-hmm. or unwavering, like I'm there yeah. for you, or the, in co- that coaching to get those resources, there are so many other adults available to you. There's mm-hmm. so many resources out there, whether it's in your school, your church, I thought about that when you were talking yeah. about parents showing up for their kids yes. and how so I'm just we taught. have, well, they don't. And, but even, I mean, I do my best to show up for my kids, mm-hmm. but we also have family friends yes. who, who I trust to speak into my kids' yes. lives. Yes. And, and we've, you know, supported each other and it's, 
it's just really comforting to know that there are other adults that will pour into my children Mm -hmm. and pour into their lives. Mm -hmm. And sometimes it's hard to say because, you know, you're afraid of what your parents are going to say when I broke up with my boyfriend and they're, oh, I roll, it'll be fine. (laughs) Right. But that there are other other teachers, counselors, Mm -hmm. youth workers who... Who will pour in? I mean, it's it's asking for help. I think people think, I don't want to burden them with that, or I don't want to bother them when people are happy to be bothered. Yes. And, and that's what... Oh, go ahead. <laughs> I think, too, for students or kids or whoever else is listening to this that might mm-hmm. be having thoughts like this, don't stop asking for help. Right. There are people out there... And even if the person you're talking to isn't that person, they probably know someone. Exactly. They know of an organization. They know of someone. They have a friend. They, I mean, I can't tell you how many times I've been that friend, you know. Oh, I know. Annika struggles with anxiety. You want to talk to her? You know? <laughs> like, okay, I'll be that girl. You know? um, but, yeah, it saves people. Mm-hmm. It saved me. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And Having I think friends. that's where I got a lot of healing is instead of going because I mean I still have anxiety and depression but it's it's much more manageable now mm-hmm. but I think it's because I finally was brave enough to ask for help mm-hmm. and I got some amazing fr- friends and my husband and just some people that are pouring into my life that offer me that support and encouragement and um yeah so I would say to those younger kids like if it, you can't get it at home there are so many safe places that you can and just it's worth the brave ask than Mm -hmm. the alternative of just going into that downward spiral and then before you know it you're making that choice that has major consequences so it's like trying to not get to that crisis point and just knowing there are people that love you and that see you and know you and Mm -hmm. are willing to help well and to the people walking alongside other people I say this all the time like see the people you're with yes and let them know that they're seen that that you see them acknowledge them Mm -hmm. the checkout person the Mm -hmm whoever it is that you're doing life around. Mm-hmm. And to not have shame around what it is that's making you sad. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, I think that it doesn't have to be these big things. Like, those little things can add up sometimes. So I think mm-hmm. don't minimize your pain. Don't minimize what you're, what's making you feel cloudy or dark or mm-hmm. can't move or you're frozen. Whatever it is, I think that we have to give ourselves permission to, yeah, this is hard. And even if it doesn't seem big to you, it's big to me. Mm-hmm. So I think that's important, too. It is important. I think one of the things, one of the people that was so brave in my life actually was a neighbor mm. um, of mine who started talking about anxiety and depression and struggling as a mom. Um, and I was a new mom, too. And she was one of the first people that was starting to kind of name some of these things. And Mm -hmm. it's why I was so open to medication when that health crisis hit. That health crisis was a few years after I had met her. Um, But she was willing to share some of her story Mm -hmm. um, and being on medication. And that's why I felt like, okay, if she can do it, I can do this too. Mm -hmm. Well, and that's part of the reason I wanted to have the two of you on Mm -hmm. here to tell your stories. Yeah. To normalize, Mm -hmm. to normalize it, Mm -hmm. that... People deal with it, and if people saw you, they wouldn't think, "Oh, they they <laughs> deal with this or deal mess. with that." Yeah, <laughs> or maybe they would. Yeah, maybe they would. <laughs> <I> mean, <laughs> <laughs> but that we get this preconceived idea that everybody's got it together, mm-hmm. and and people don't, mm-hmm. and which is why I'm so glad that you're willing to share 
your story because like that neighbor of yours I think the more that we hear people's stories the more it normalizes Mm -hmm. it yeah and I think we're so focused on like the why you know was it my parents divorce was it is it because um I have so much shame in my life is it Mm. because of sin you know is it generational sin Mm. I mean there's so many different um topics I think especially in the Christian culture about, mm-hmm. you know, well, why do you have anxiety? Why do you have depression? Mm-hmm. And let's just be honest. Well, just read like, scripture and it'll go away. Right? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I tried that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, and sometimes... And it helps. Right. But it doesn't always take it away. So, I mean, we talk about the reality of living, my reality of living with anxiety. Medication mm-hmm. helps. I tell people that are thinking of doing medication or are struggling, medication brings me back to, like, a baseline. Okay. And helps me find a way through the things I need to find my way through. Mm-hmm. And that's just normal life, right? Right. We all have hard things in our lives. We all have feelings that feel uncontrollable. But the medication keeps it from being just astronomical off the charts mm-hmm. um, or really low. Mm-hmm. That's the funny part about, I think, anxiety and depression. People either think it's really low, low, or really high, high, and it can be either. Mm-hmm. Um so for me, the medication helps me just get to a healthy brain space, and I can go to counseling, and I can have hard conversations, and I can think about maybe some of those things that are worrying me or debilitating me, mm-hmm. but um, I feel frozen less. I feel um, less heart racing, and I can bring myself back to that window of just a healthy place. Mm-hmm. It doesn't mean my life is perfect. It doesn't mean I'm not having those hard feelings or those hard thoughts, mm-hmm. but it just means that I have more ways to deal with it. Right. And my brain is at a healthy place. So that's great. So that's because that was going to be one of my questions. Oh, like, sorry. what is it? No, 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 no. That's great. You <laughs> answered it before I asked it. Is that what it then looks like when you're dealing with something, something difficult yeah. in life when, when a crisis comes up? I mean, I have all sorts of tools. One is Mm -hmm. medication. That's Mm -hmm. not the only tool. You talked about even with your other health stuff, exercise and... Exercise. I mean, I have all these different, you know, things I try when I'm feeling Mm -hmm. like I'm offline or Mm -hmm. like I'm anxious. Working out, moving my body. We, I think so much in the Western culture, think our bodies are separate from our brains. Mm. And I am a whole person and moving my body and feeding my body and having healthy relationships, all of these things contribute to a well-rounded, healthy, whole person. Mm -hmm. My relationship with God, quiet, Mm -hmm. are all tools that I use to help me be healthy. And it just kind of depends for me what the situation that is presenting itself. Sometimes it's the weather. Mm -hmm. Like, can Mm -hmm. we talk about the weather? (laughs) Can we talk about a blizzard in April? I mean, hello, we are in Minnesota. Yeah, we're just getting off a three-day blizzard. Yeah, I just, so when I'm anxious or when I'm having some troubles, I just have this huge toolkit that I use. Mm -hmm. And it just took me a long time to find all those tools. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And they might, and they're probably different for other people. Yeah. Like other people Mm -hmm. would have different tools that they would use. Also chocolate. Chocolate's really helpful. Yes. Or donuts. Or donuts. Yeah. Is there anything that we haven't talked about that you thought in thinking about doing this? Oh, I really want to make sure I save this or share this. Um, I mean, honestly, it's community. I know it's like hashtag community is overused like crazy, but it's so (laughs) powerful. I think finding your people, Mm -hmm. um, 
because I don't think you have to overexpose yourself because I think there's some of that too. Mm-hmm. I think some people are, that's all, like that's like, I don't know how to explain that, but I think there should be some healthy boundaries around mm-hmm. sharing. For sure, for sure. Right? <laughs> yes. Um, Sometimes I forget them myself. Yes, I think but there's just <laughs> totally. sacredness in that. Mm-hmm. Right. But I think, yeah, finding those safe. Appropriate. Keep, yeah. I think finding the safe platforms, appropriate platforms to share your story and people that love you so that on those hard days, those ugly cry days, that you can reach out and that they're there for you. Um, So I think having those people that give you that time but also push you to grow and to, to have that healing and transformation and just say asking some good questions so that Mm -hmm. you don't have to stay there. You don't have to camp out there forever. Right. I had this conversation uh, in a past episode. We were talked about um, what should I know about divorce? Mm -hmm. And she talked about people or her friends asking her, like pushing her a little bit, Mm -hmm. asking her hard questions as she was um, grieving after her divorce. And like, I just, again, want to acknowledge that those people Mm -hmm. that get to ask the hard questions that get to push are the people that are always there. Yes. The yes. people that have earned the right to Amen. be there to say those things. Yes. You don't just get to say that to anybody. No. You have to kind of earn the right in somebody's life to be able to say those things. Mm-hmm. I agree. I think the one thing that has been really maybe the most important thing to me on this journey, because it is a journey for me, it is not, I'm not at an ending place. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm always learning and about myself and my body and my mental health Mm -hmm. is that you I am not anxiety anxiety Mm -hmm. is not who I am Mm -hmm. it is just an experience that I have almost every day Mm -hmm. Um, but it is not who I am it is not who God created me to be it is Mm -hmm. just an experience that I have Um, I am Annika and I am created in his image to do his good work and I can still be the fullness of who I am and have hard experiences. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think having people and places, it's not always just been people, but places that remind me of that, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. that I, I can overcome this or mm-hmm. I can struggle with it every day for the rest of my life. Mm-hmm. And I still am me. Right. I still can have kids and I still can have friendships and I can go on trips and do all the things that I want to do. Mm-hmm. I don't have to be identified or limited by uh, some things that I suffer from. Mm-hmm. So you can still have a full, wonderful life and struggle. Mm-hmm. Yes. Right. That also reminds me of one of the questions that I ask all of my guests is, how do you retreat? So is it a place? Is it a practice? When you're thinking about your tools where you said it's not mm-hmm. always people, sometimes it's places. What and not even necessarily in related to mental health, but in general, mm-hmm. what do what does retreat look like for each of you? Mm-hmm. I think it depends. Sometimes it's quiet, like it, you know, getting away. Where I love the beach and the sun. That's like, oh, I feel like I'm getting away. But it can also look like an activity. I love mm-hmm. creative things. Mm-hmm. So if I'm in a place of creativity, that feels like a retreat, especially singing. Mm. Like when I get to lead worship, that is like, oh, that's where I encounter Jesus. That's where I encounter healing. That's mm-hmm. where I encounter like, oh, I need you. And I, you get to use, I get to be used by him. Like that's, I don't know, for me, that feels like a retreat, even though I'm a- doing active. Yeah. I mm-hmm. think that can, can be that way too. 
Mm-hmm. Doesn't always have to be like no Still noise, quiet. no phone, mm-hmm. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> no nothing. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Although I need that sometimes too. But mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Um, for me, it is. I think consistently my cup of coffee in the morning. Mm. Um, I love the quiet of my house. Mostly my kids aren't up yet. <laughs> sometimes, <laughs> sometimes they are. Um, but I just, I love coffee and I love just a minute in the morning. Mm-hmm. Sometimes it's with the book. Sometimes it's with my eyes still closed, sipping my cup. Just that moment to just be me, be who I am um, without doing anything else is restorative for me Mm -hmm. and then I also have a place I love every year my family gets to go up to my family's cabin okay um and it's usually extended family and my family and whoever can make it and I look forward to that every year it's grew up doing it and Mm -hmm. familiar it's familiar it's Mm -hmm. safe Mm -hmm. yeah it just brings so much peace to me and then my other question is, if you were to use the hashtag celebrate weird to <laughs> describe something about you, what would it be? So it could be something that you think is normal and other people are like, that is so weird. Well, when you first texted that to me, mm-hmm. I knew what I thought in my head, but I'm like, I don't know if that's celebrating weird, but I, if I'm like super stressed out and I just like, he, I just want to do this for me. It's eating a bag. Oh, like I can sit down and eat a whole bag of pickle chips. <laughs> Like that's like, she's yeah. not lying. I totally, and I'm like, this is fun. It tastes good, and I don't care what anyone thinks. And it's smelly. <laughs> so weird. And my husband hates it, but I know it's so weird. I mean, I like pickle it's chips, like, but I I'm can do a dance in my like kitchen. Like a big, I'm big, big bag, bag not the individual chips. bag. Well, they they okay. call it like the family size. <laughs> conversations at like coffee shops or restaurants <laughs> I don't know why if that's weird I'm weird too absolutely not see mm-hmm. so maybe I'm not weird I think so Annika and I got had a chance to get away on a trip this was that January yeah and I think one of the funniest and maybe people thought we were super weird like when we were in a moment of like this is unbelievable we would say really loud and nobody would care winning <laughs> winning and people would be like who these weirdos. That's celebrating weird. Yeah. yeah. Winning. Oh, that was so fun. Yes. <laughs> Winning. <laughs> okay, that is weird. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> for both of you. Yeah. Well, thank you so much for, I mean, this has been a privilege for me to have you guys share your stories because I think this is an important conversation to have and to to normalize mm-hmm. so that people can talk about it. So I think you're really brave for sharing it and I appreciate it. And I'll make sure that everything about Covey events is in the oh, show notes too if anyone wants you. to contact you about that. Awesome. And I'll put 
open door information in case anyone wants to visit yeah. open door women's Great. ministry Love it. so thank you thank you. thank you thank you for listening to the retreat house podcast any links mentioned in the show can be found in the show notes we want to thank isaac turley for his music at the beginning and end of the podcast if you enjoyed this episode please subscribe and we'll see you next week on the retreat house podcast Thank you.